Now this is being recorded and people are going to be judging you. So did those guys really name their app after a meme? Huh? Buckle up, fellow kids. It's time for Founder Quest. So I had a bit of an interesting COVID-related thing in our household. So we have this grocery store that we, that we love near us. It's called uh, Hagen. It's a Northwest brand. A lot of our listeners won't be familiar with it, but we, we love this place. It's a great little grocery store. And my wife, who typically does the grocery shopping, hasn't been there in forever because like, I could just get stuff from Amazon Fresh. And like, so we've been doing that. But finally, Amazon Fresh started running out of some of the things that we really want. And so I think today was the first time in, in weeks, many, many weeks that we've actually ventured out to the grocery store. So exciting. And you uh, went inside the grocery store? Inside the grocery store. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Just like the good old days. So you just, you just love taking life in your own hands like Never that. took you for an adventure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're still doing the, um, the like order online and then pick up outside the store. Thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I went in to pick up for some teriyaki that night and there were actually people dining inside. It's like, what? What? That's a thing? <laughs> yeah. I can't yeah. believe that. I mean, Florida just opened a hundred percent. Yeah. So I don't even know. I don't even know what's happening. So I did a little research over the weekend. Like normally we record this podcast on Fridays, but we, we moved it to Monday because I had a thing. So I had some time. I did a little research over the weekend. And I'm pretty sure that if we are willing to like move the legal entity of Honey Badgers Industries Incorporated, we can all move to Canada. Oh, yeah. I read something about that. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. We, <laughs> we can, uh, yeah, get in on some of that sanity. And <laughs> <laughs> Does a... Uh... Does Stripe have like a like Stripe Atlas for moving your business out of the country? Oh, great idea. <laughs> it's, a, it's a freebie. There you go. We should relocate the headquarters to Vernon, BC. Then we can hang out with Justin. Oh, of course. Another place I know that does this is like Scotland. I'm pretty sure that actually if you like just move a whole company, like you can go anywhere you want, right? I mean, <laughs> We just got to get everyone. Like, yes. Everyone has to be on board. Yeah. Just like, yeah. yes, bring all your, you know, h- hire local people. Scotland versus Canada. That's a toss. That's, that's a hard one. That's, that's, I mean, Canada's a lot closer. It's significantly like, it'd be significantly less disruptive. Just mosey on over to um, Victoria or Vancouver. It'd be kind of hard to drive that U-Haul over to Scotland. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Yeah. True. But you get to hang out with Nessie and that's, that's always a bonus. (laughs) Yeah. My my kids are like, yeah, so when are we moving? I'm like, well, first they have to let us in. (laughs) And then we could talk about the practicality of moving. Yeah, is that the bigger hurdle here? There you go. Yeah. You'd be like, I've got a business. Like, I have skills. Like, what what are you doing? Like, why are they going to let you in? (laughs) Like, you've got got to prove your your own worth. Well, I I did mention them. Like, by the way, I'm the only person in this family that has a passport. So, I mean, I can go. But uh, what are you going to (laughs) do? Speaking of traveling, though, you know, we talked last time about the conference that I was going to, the Business of Software Conference, and that happened last week. And it was the one that was originally going to be in Boston, because that's where they mm-hmm. hold it every year. And I got to say, while I love the conference, it was great, even online, I did miss going to Boston. I've realized that I actually enjoyed putting myself on a plane for six hours and having that trip. Yeah, it's nice to get out. It is. I miss traveling. I miss. Can you th- can you imagine what the next like the next time that we do get, go to a conference in person? Like how great that's going to be. Hopefully, yeah, it's like hopefully awesome. it's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think for us, we probably will wait until we're sure it's not going to be like a train wreck. But <laughs> yeah, I'm just right. going to bring my moon suit 
you know, with my, um, has like the, the, it's just like a completely contained bubble. And I just walk around inside. Yeah. I'm kind of surprised that industry hasn't taken off in the past few months, you know, bubble, yeah. personal, suits. personal suits. suits. Yeah. Are those big, um, those big sort of transparent plastic balls that you just inflate with air and then you kind of roll around? That would just like be fun what? too. I like, haven't seen any of those. That's not a hard sell. I did see a guy with a beekeeper's mask, like a beekeeper's helmet on, like with the, you know, it looks kind of, beekeeper's helmets look kind of weird. They look kind of fedora-y, like um, milady. They look kind of milady, milady-ish. <laughs> it's this weird milady hat and then like screen stuff coming down. It's mm-hmm. kinda, I don't think that works. I don't think that works like you think it does, guy. Like the coronavirus is Wait, like so much that was smaller the, the than screen, a bee. He was wearing the screen too, like? Yeah, like yeah, no, whole... it, was, it, was, it was clearly like a PPE measure. Yeah, like just walking those, down the street. Those bees that carry that virus, they can't get through. So that's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> so the the big bubble thing, though, Josh, reminded me of your worthy board or whatever it's called. How's that treating you? I'm on it right now. I'm standing on it right now. Oh, <laughs> you're, you're so you level. I wouldn't even yeah. imagine. Yeah, I'm. I was debating actually, like taking a minute to lower my desk so I can get off, just because the gain on my microphone is. I noticed like since I got this cloud lifter thing, like it's a little more touchy and I don't want to be like, you know, slamming on my desk or I think every little movement's going to show up, but I like it. Yeah. Oh, it's, yeah. It's nice to have something to stand on that keeps you off balance. That's, you know, so unintuitive. You look like you've mastered it. That's for sure. I'm getting there. Yeah. As long as you like just stand right in the middle and don't move around a whole lot. You're, you're good. Nice. So when are we la- like, we're getting pretty close to launching Hook Relay, right? Yeah. Well, some people have found it on their own and- started, Wait, what? Really? Using it. Yeah. Yeah. So we got organic, organic traffic. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which Wait, is, awesome. is it officially launched yet though? It is not officially launched yet. Well, that makes those people hackers. <laughs> those are called hackers, man. We should like, we need to sue them. Well, maybe we'll just ask them questions instead. That's- Yeah. Ask them for- And then- build what they ask for <laughs> <laughs> it's close let's see kevin just opened a pr for one of the last features we have to write some documentation and beyond that it's it's ready i mean like it's good I'm excited we even have an amazing uh, welcome video yes josh knocked it out of the park on that one <laughs> i haven't seen it yet i need i need to watch it you should go sign up for hook relay you just have to sign up for hook I relay and you'll I, I haven't signed up that's my problem <laughs> <laughs> I just assume like I'll be like, I'll get ushered in with the VIP treatment. We should do though, that your Josh, your video is fantastic, but I Thanks. think what would even be even better maybe is if we had Sarah Cooper do the video. Could you imagine? That would be yeah. pretty awesome. I'm- Who's Sarah Cooper? Was she the lady in Terminator? <laughs> <laughs> she's the one that does the videos with Trump's voice. And she's- Oh no, that's yucky. <laughs> like that's gross. Like what? What? <laughs> She's well, she doesn't, she doesn't, it doesn't have to be Trump. That's true. It doesn't have to <laughs> she's, be Trump. She's not, okay. she isn't Trump, to be clear. <laughs> right. Oh. Is she on that, uh, what's the site where on you Cameo? can get it on Cameo? Is that where this yeah, is coming from? Know. Or is she, can no, you get no. her to do something? Okay. I don't know. You might, because no Cameo apparently like a lot of celebrities are on there right now, which yeah, is that, interesting. That, that stimulus reflex video, that just blew me away when I saw yeah, it. Yeah. I can't remember that guy's name off the top of my head now his character in silicon valley the uh the vc you know, what? the billionaire I'll, the three <laughs> yeah the I'll billionaire. Tell you, i'll tell you a secret i'm gonna lose all my street cred right now but i've never watched this show so i didn't actually recognize the guy in the video 
his and character like, is, oh, this is so cool it's great I'm like, who who is he <laughs> <laughs> you're so like there was a video well, so explain like like take two steps back and explain this to me because like i have a vague idea what you're talking about go for it josh well okay so again i i'm blanking on the actor's name or the character's name in silicon valley but he's like this uh like he plays like a you know over the top like silicon valley like you know founder billionaire dude and the people that do stimulus reflex the rails plugin got him to record a video about how great stimulus reflex is and how how much better it is than react because they're a competitor to react and so his line was a reflex is faster than a reaction and <laughs> you just have to go you have to go watch the video because it's his character yeah. is just like yeah, I don't know what you thought having not seen the show, oh, Ben. You're probably Russ like, Hyman. oh, like who's this? Who's this completely like plausible guy from from Silicon Valley talking about stimulus reflex? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, even without the context of this, knowing about the show or who this actor was, I thought it was still funny. It's great. Yeah, idea. he's obviously right. a good actor to be able to pull off some rent. I just think like, what's that conversation like, you know, when you hire someone like a voice actor, right? You might, that we hired for the podcast and you give them lines and you'd be like, here, you know, do something with this. And they do like that's, and not, but not having actual like experience with the field. I'm sure he's not a Rails. Well, okay. I'm kind of guessing he's not a Rails developer. So he probably mm -hmm. isn't all that familiar with what Stimulus Reflex is, you know, you never but know. still <laughs> being able to take a script and to, you know, run with it and make it relevant and then connect with the intended audience. That's, that's impressive talent right there. Yeah, it is. I guess it's, I guess acting is more than reading. Okay. <laughs> I, apparently they got the video like he's on Cameo. So if you want him to record your video, oh, he's on Cameo. just go on Cameo and search. Is The uh, Rock on Cameo? Silicon, I, want, I want The Rock to do a Honey Badger video. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I saw that The Rock was like late for work and um, because his gate malfunctioned and his because, you know, he's got a gate in front of his massive house, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. And so he, using his own hands, ripped it from the, the moorings wow. and got to work. Nice. And so I want that kind of energy behind Honey Badger. That sounds like, like something I'd do, do well. if I had a gate in front of my house. I yeah. don't. So, I've, you know, that's why I've never done it, obviously. But I mean, if I Josh, did, let's, totally would. Let's be frank. Let's be frank. Like, you work out, it's obvious, but like, you don't eat that much cod every day. <laughs> I eat a lot of cod, but yeah, he's, he's got me beat right now, I think. Oh, The Rock is not on Cameo. I'm sorry. It's a real shame. But the, the video that Josh did is fantastic. So everyone should definitely sign up for Hook Relay and check it out. I actually might eat that much cod. <laughs> <laughs> just, just saying. Oh, you can get like pets and stuff. Like they have little dogs. Really? <laughs> I searched for Pee Wee Herman and there was like a dog named Pee Wee Herman. <laughs> Nice. So, this is delightful. Oh it, my gosh. Oh, there's lots of wrestlers on here. <laughs> there's Mick Foley. Oh, wow. Yeah, there's a lot of people on there. Uh, I'm sorry. Tommy, I'm Tommy Chong is on there. I, Tommy Chong would be a fun one. <laughs> that would be. Yeah. Star is going down the cameo rabbit hole. Oh my God. <laughs> here, hang on. I'm going to adjust my For $75. This is wild. Okay. You can have the guy from Ghostbusters say something like the. You can have one of the Ghostbusters talk to you for like thirty for a couple hundred dollars. It's amazing. <laughs> I just want to uh, like hire these people to just tell me positive things about life. It's like go outside and look I bet at. That's a thing. They should. I mean, yeah, like go outside into the sunlight, look at a flower, <laughs> and describe it to me. Yeah, but, but Star, how much 
should we pay you to make that kind of video for us? I'll do it for free because wow. that's just that's just how I am. Like I just spread the joy. <laughs> oh my god, Chum Lee from Pawn Stars is on here. Yeah, it's like that's not amazing. all of them. Some of them are are kind of Carol pricey. Baskin's on here. <laughs> what? Carol Baskin from from you know as featured on the Tiger King show, and like she is like at a higher price than like Gilbert Gottfried or Mark McGrath. Okay, I've got to stop looking at this because this is just really not. This is really off topic. I'm sorry. It's a book. It's a bookmark for sure. <laughs> okay, I closed it. The question you've really wanted to know is is Randall on there? And unfortunately, not not yet. But um, maybe we'll get him anyway. That's a real shame. I don't recognize the existence of Randall. But I mean, Randall's now, now if we want to do new podcast intros, we know that we can like really like if we want to splurge a little bit more, we can get some really, you know, like. <laughs> top-notch celebrities yeah. Yeah, totally totally it. yeah the only thing is like i mean like this is going to be the thing now like everyone is going to have a celebrity introduction to everything so yeah except on that podcast like most people's like these people's voices aren't that like recognizable so they'll just have to be like <laughs> i'm so-and-so <laughs> yeah and you're listening to founder quest but actually i haven't been working on hook relay for the past few weeks surprise surprise yeah, I've been working almost been working entirely on, account, on right? accounts. Yeah, yeah. So this this long, long desired feature of being able to have an, a level above users that manage accounts is finally going to happen. It may not quite meet my self-imposed deadline of like three days from now, but it is very close, and I'm pretty excited about it because that's amazing. Along the way, I've been able to do a lot of cleanup, and I think. There will be some nice UI improvements, nothing significant, but some little, you know, updates and a little bit of a polish and things that just work a little bit better than they do today. So I'm totally excited to have this off my plate finally after wanting it for so long. I was thinking about this earlier today when I was thinking about the podcast and um, it might be good to explain how you should build your account system very briefly in order to like not end up in the position that we ended up wanting to do this and it became a huge project now that we have you know, thousands of users. I was users just thinking about that. Yeah. You want to give we've that gotta, a go? Sure. We've got to make up for like being so off topic. Like we've got to have a pearl of... <laughs> yeah. And well, I mean, this could be a, this could be like a really big tip because if we had done things a little bit differently in the very beginning, it would have saved us all this work later yeah. on the way we like set up our app yeah. and account system basically. So... It's a perennial question that comes up in developer forums, you know, like Stack Overflow and, and various other places, Reddit, where people hang out. Because developers, a lot of developers are building uh, SaaS apps that have the concept of multi-tenant. And they have teams, and they're trying to figure out, well, how does the user interact with the team? And, and how do we do billing? And how does all that set up? And there are tons of opinions about how to do that. And I'm not going to say that you know, what we did before was most ideal or that even what we're going to now is going to be the, the perfect solution. But I think what we're moving to is a lot better than what we did. So I guess I should describe what we did before and then what pain we felt and how we think it should be. So when we launched Honey Badger, we just had a user. So everything's going to be in Rails terms since we're a Rails shop. So I'm just going to put that apology out there right at the beginning. But we have a user model. So there's a user's table in our database. And that had a Stripe ID, which is tied to a a Stripe record since we do all our billing with Stripe. And mm -hmm. when you created a user account, you create a subscription in Stripe to go along with that. And, you know, we do offer a freemium now, although we didn't when we launched. So we had this assumption that every user has a Stripe 
subscription. And uh, you know, a lot of our users have free subscriptions. They're just collaborators with other users. But we create a user and we create a Stripe subscription for that user. And then everything is, is associated with that user in our database. So we have a user owns, has many projects, has many teams. And that worked out really well at the beginning <laughs> and was really good for getting people onboarded quickly because we had a lot of freelancers who are our customers in the early days and small agencies. But the problem comes when you start getting these bigger teams that have these building responsibilities that are separate from the users who are actually using the application. And or as time goes by, you have a person who set up the account for a company and they move on to a new company. And then everyone else is like, okay, so now we need to take ownership of this building relationship. And that's tied to that user. And that became painful over the years. And we wrote some code to like transfer all of the building relationship from one user record to another user record and, and you know, fiddle with Stripe and do that. But it just, it was kind of hokey. When we had so many things that were tied to the user based on like that, the account owner role, I think yeah. doing that meant like, you know, like assigning, you had to change a bunch of different database IDs, basically like repoint them if you're going to like, you know, reconstruct, like transfer ownership of everything to someone else. Right. Yeah. So I think like conceptually, like, I should point out that like a lot of SaaS company or a lot of SaaS apps have a system where there is like you go, you sign up for it, you, I don't know, maybe set up payment details or whatever. And then you start inviting people and to collaborate and those collaborators then belong to that account. So there's a clear delineation between the sort of like, like top level account, um, the owner and these collaborators, because, because the collaborators just belong to that account, right? And people can't collaborate on for multiple sort of account owners with the same like login. And that's just not done by a lot of places. Whereas a place like GitHub does a slightly different thing, right? You have essentially every user is a peer. Every user is a peer and users can collaborate on other users' projects. So, you know, I can invite Bob to collaborate on my project. And that doesn't mean that I own Bob's account or I have any control over it, but that's just it. And so we went with the sort of GitHub route because we're like, we want, I mean, I don't know if you guys were thinking about this, but I was like, oh, I want like, I want everybody to be a, a customer, right? Like, you know, you're going to log into your Honey Badger account and you're going to, you know, see the errors for all the different organizations you work with because we all come from freelance backgrounds. So that seemed pretty natural. But we didn't start out with this accounts sort of idea that, that Ben was mentioning. And I, to be mm -hmm. fair, I'm not even sure GitHub started, like an account, as you're talking about it, is similar to a GitHub org. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I'm not sure that even GitHub sort of launched with GitHub orgs. I, yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. I don't know, know if they like had their full org system when we launched, because I think we kind of copied a lot of what they were doing in the first place. So right. I think yeah. a lot of this like has, a, yeah, has come out of like us following what GitHub did. <laughs> yep. Yes, yes. And yeah. so I, I guess the lesson, and correct me if, let me know if you have any thoughts on this, but I think the lesson is like, you either need to do a system where you have an, a single account owner and then user accounts belong to that owner. Or, you know, if you go this sort of GitHub route where people are peers, then in addition to those people, you need the concept of an organization or an account sort of above them. That's and detached, that will, right? Yeah, that's detached. And that allows 
allows for the kind of flexibility in, I don't know, setting up payment details and transferring projects and ownership that, and where things aren't just tied to individual people. Totally. Yeah. We just launched with this notion that, you know, freelancers and, and small companies, they just have this person that pays for things and that's that, right? So you associate the building with a person and you're off to the races. But, but yeah, like the GitHub organizations, we realize that it is really handy to have this, this separate entity, separate from users that is, has the building responsibility. And then, you know, multiple people on the team can manage it and it can be moved from person to person, et cetera. We think and, of how often people switch companies and a lot of people like you work at a company and you sign up and you use your company credit card, but you're not thinking about what is this tied to? But it's tied to your account unless the service has some sort of abstraction that makes it easy to uh, work in a like a team environment. So think about how fat, like how often those people, like people, switch companies. Well, that's how that's how often we were having to deal with account tra- transfers. Basically, like it's, it's pretty frequent. It turns out. And there's the other issue that you just mentioned about having the person who's, you know, the primary responsibility for managing the account is not necessarily the same person that has the billing information available to them, right? You might have an engineering team lead or an engineering manager or even a CTO that's uh, responsible for managing Honey Badger. In this case, it's, uh, you know, a developer tool, but someone on the billing department has the actual payment information. And we, we ran into this problem fairly early on. I mean, we, we knew that developers by and large don't have the payment information on hand when they're signing up for their account. They, they want to try it out. And so that's why we started with no credit card trial up front. But we quickly ended up having to create a, a way for a user to share a link that they could send to someone that actually has the credit card, right? Instead of, I think we, or at least I initially assumed that, you know, someone would get handed the credit card, right? And they would key in the information and et cetera, et cetera. But yeah. uh, having, I mean, like we, you would never give your employees a credit card <laughs> back then. It's <laughs> like, I mean, it, cause you know, you don't <laughs> as a freelancer, like <laughs> <laughs> sure. Sure. Although everyone at Honey Badger does have a credit card. Yes, that's we do. Our, we do give them now. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we did have that link where that is, we say, if someone else is paying for this account, just give them this link and they can enter the information. And that, that worked out really well. But I think having a separate organization in GitHub's terms where you can actually invite someone to the organization whose only responsibility is billing. They don't need access to all of the technical stuff. That's also yeah. really helpful and, and great for the businesses where you need some more partitioning amongst the different teams. Makes sense. I imagine this is going to be useful going forward for things like SSO as well. So we do have to redo how we do some of our SSO as a result of this. So right now, when like, for example, Heroku, we ha- we're on the marketplace and uh, people come in through SSO for that after they've provisioned an account with us. And so before we just, you know, they signed in and we said, oh, okay, you're, you're a part of this Heroku app. So there you go. And, and every person that came in through SSO is actually tied to that one user. Now they're going to have their own user records because the Heroku provisioning is going to create a, an account mm. instead of provisioning a particular user. So it's going to be a level removed. So yeah, it's going to impact that as well. That's interesting. Yeah. That's kind of potentially an improvement, right? like improved yes. user experience for Heroku users, because before it's like no one had their individual settings because everyone's on the same, basically the same user in our app, which as I recall, was not unique to us. That's pretty much how everyone did it at the time when we originally mm-hmm. designed our integration. I don't think you could even have, they didn't have the concept of like multiple users signing into an add-on 
at one point. Did they? No, they didn't when we launched. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they so, didn't. So that's, I mean, that's nice. Like people will get to use like some of our user specific features, like, uh, like the local, like configuring your text editor, for instance, with custom paths, right. like right. you couldn't do that before if you were a team. So like I said, I've been wanting this for a long, long time. I remember talking about this many, many eons ago in, in Honeybed. This is an old dragon. Yeah. This is a, did you say it's canonical and accounts or two? <laughs> canonical and accounts. The two dragons. Two, two dragons. I think I've started this work at least three times. And the, the prior two times, I just like, it's, it's such a big change to go so much of the plumbing in our app that I just gave up after a while and, and went back into something easier. But I came back to it again. And this time though, having worked on Hook Relay, you know, we, we use Jumpstart Rails for Hook Relay. And Jumpstart has an account multi-tenant kind of thing yeah. built in. And so I was going to say, I really like their, the way they did it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I so I basically them. used that as the inspiration for <laughs> how we're going to be doing it in Honey Badger. That was really nice. So I really appreciate having, having purchased that and having seen their example. It kind of reminded me actually of people who bought Rails kits back in the day. And they were like, yeah, I don't actually want to use the code. I just want to see how you did it so I can use that for inspiration in my own app, which I thought was, I never expected that. So that was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, so, so now I've done that on the other end. One sort of thing that might be unexpected that also came about as a result of having our accounts the way we have for so long where every user has a Stripe ID has been that a lot of the tools that go in and give you sort of like crunch your, your Stripe statistics and then give you back information on trial users and everything, it really screws with them because they really, like if a user has a Stripe ID they consider that user to be some sort of a trial or some sort of a, an actual potential paying user, which I mean, I guess that's fair. Whereas in our system, as it has existed for a long time, like, you know, everybody has a Stripe ID, even if they will never ever buy their own account because they're only using someone else's account. So as a result of Ben's work here, like I'm really excited that finally, like some of our, our metrics in third-party tools around trial conversion rates and stuff like that are, are finally going to make sense because yeah, now right now, like our stats tools kind of like, they're like, you have thousands of active trial users and like you had a couple of conversions today. Therefore your conversion percent is like nothing. To be clear, we didn't have to do it that way. We didn't have to have a Stripe ID associated with people that we knew were just collaborators, but that was one of those uh, technical debt shortcuts that you take to get the product launched mm -hmm. faster. <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It could. I don't remember if we did. We we might have like built that before we even had collaborators. Like, yeah. it might, you know, it might have just been like literally everyone. <laughs> right. I don't. I right. think we had collaborators. Yeah, I, th I think but, that was it. Yeah. <laughs> but also, we had the idea of like anybody can sort of upgrade, and then you right. know, yeah, it's like, oh, I like this. I'm using it for my employer. I can just upgrade it and use it for my own other projects that I'm working on. Yep. Yep. And, uh, and that happened quite a bit, but, uh, now it's going to, we're going to have an account model and it's going to be created by a user. So a user has many accounts. So now you can have your private, your personal stuff and you have your work stuff. You can manage those two accounts and build relationships separately. And that account is going to have many users and account will have many teams and many projects. So everything will be associated with the account now. And, and yeah. if we need to transfer ownership, now it's just a matter of changing the user ID for the account record, as opposed to you know, changing a bunch of user IDs across a bunch of tables. Yeah, I think like a lot of this just comes down to like 
thinking about what the relationships are in your app, like when you're first designing it. And I think like, at the, especially at the time for us, it was very much like the MVP, like just do the simplest thing that you can think of and, or, you know, the quickest thing to ship. I don't know about you. My thinking has come around on that a little bit recently. Whereas like, I'm like with hook relay, we, you know, we obviously had jumpstart, which did that thinking for us in a lot of, in a lot of ways, which was, that's like a huge uh, pitch for jumpstart. You could always just hire someone to design that up front. But if I were building an app from scratch, even if it's an MVP these days, I would spend more time thinking about the relationships, like the model relationships within the code, but also like the roles of what a user is in the system. Because a user, there's like, this isn't only useful in billing. It's also, I've run into similar issues in like setting up marketing tools, for instance, like you want to like communicate with different people, like with people in your app differently, if they're a collaborator or if they signed up for a trial or, you know, if they own an account versus if they're just maybe, maybe they're both, maybe they own a different account, but they collaborate, you know, there's a lot of different ways potentially that those relationships can coexist and uh, having some sort of abstraction for them in the actual app, app itself, I think can like solve a headache down the road. It's probably worth doing a little bit of that design up front for me these days, just because I felt the pain of like trying to sort that all out once you have like thousands of people in there and you're trying to like figure out who's who. Yeah, it seems like it's a difference between sort of breaking down like all the different types of roles involved with your application. You know, we've yeah. got a developer role, we've got a, a, a billing role, we've got, you know, a manager role versus just being like, oh, it's a user. They're, everything's we'll a just, user. You know, we'll make them, everything's a user. We'll figure it out later. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Josh. I think MVP was, was great when it came out and helped get people away from the idea that you had to do this waterfall. You had to do this, you know, this huge production before you could even do anything. You know, Agile, of course, was, was the standard bearer there. And, but yeah, these days it's like, yeah, it's nice to have a little more polish, a little more thought going into that V1 that goes out the door, right? Yeah. So I kind of, these days I'm shying away from the MVP label and going more towards the, well, this is the first cut. Right. This is what we're going to, this is what we're going to show our customers and we feel proud of it. It's not just the, oh, well, here's the first thing that works, right? Yeah. <laughs> I really like that. The first cut, like we should write a book about that. The first cut is the or trademark title. or something. Yeah. <laughs> the first cut. Yeah. Sounds like Can a I tell you all like a rambling, like, um, like grandma story, please, sure. that is going to relate. And so I recently moved out to my new sort of backyard office and it basically took me about a year to build. I did most of the work myself and sort of early on when I was putting up the walls, I hadn't quite figured out how to like reproducibly always like cut off the ends of the boards in a completely like right angle way. You know, I had this one board and I didn't even notice at the time, but it was just a little bit of an angle. So like it stuck out maybe like a quarter of an inch more. Like it was one side of the cut was like right at the right spot. And then it kind of drifted a little bit. So it was maybe a quarter of an inch off at the other way. And, you know, I put it in the wall. I sort of looked up. I was like, that doesn't look quite straight, but you know, like it'll be fine. Like it's, it's a building. Like what's a quarter of an inch here and there? It's, it's no big deal. So. I built the wall, we put the trusses on, um, then I'm like, oh, well, the truss that sits on top of that um, piece of wood is now higher than the other, other side, sort of noticeably so. And so 
you know, I added some, I added like some shims under the truss on the other side to sort of like at least level <laughs> it out. We get that done and I'm doing drywall and I'm like, well, okay, so this truss is actually like uniformly now higher than the rest of the, the trusses. <laughs> so then I had to get these drywall shims and just like, you know, stack those in. And so now like finally, like the, the drywall is done and the ceiling looks level and you never know, but underneath is just like 10 different types of shims. Uh, all just kind of um, <laughs> just crammed in there. That's kind of a metaphor sounds like for honey the, the, user, the user model. <laughs> yes, that sounds like a great metaphor for software development. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Luckily, you can, it's a little, I want to say it's a little easier to change the software than to change the building in most cases. I would, at least that's, you know. That's I true. Know. I mean, hopefully I won't have to change it ever. Yeah. I mean, We'll see. Yeah, at least, you know, with the building, you don't have like all your interfaces changing over time because an API. <laughs> oh, yeah. God. Yeah. Like you, you have it's to like, like the... <laughs> you've got a new roof adapter that you have to support. <laughs> exactly. Like if, if you don't go in, if you don't go in and change all the screws holding the drywall to the ceiling, like they're just going to start failing in two months because they're being deprecated. <laughs> so. <laughs> Google's like, no, we don't have that paint color anymore. So you have to change it. <laughs> yeah. That's a good one, Ben. <laughs> yeah. Back to the MVP thing, though. Like these days, there are a lot more starters, and I, you know, back then actually there were a few starters, including the SaaS starter kit from Rails Kits, which was your your starter, Ben. You used some of that in our initial mm -hmm. version. Yeah, Ironically, yeah, I think you had it. You at one point you had an account. <laughs> model in there but and i think we opted to not go with it though right or something right. you don't want to like out us but like we have to own <laughs> i guess we have to own it um i can admit my mistakes that's good it's fine <laughs> but yeah like these days like there are a lot of starter options like jumpstart mm -hmm. or um bullet train there are other there's free you know there's free things um yeah. and then there's that's just rails so like i think your MVP is going to usually, if you start with something else, it's going to include like, like all the, uh, I don't know, you know, the, the basic things that you need, you won't have to think about today, hopefully like you would back or if you're starting from scratch or back yeah. when these things weren't, you know, there weren't as many options basically. Right. I think these days, like the, the stakes are higher, the table stakes, right? You, you have to come mm -hmm. with some sort of team management if you're going to be doing a business app, right? Because everyone expects to be able to invite people to right. join their team, right? And uh, I think maybe right now we're going through a transition period where perhaps in a few months we'll see where like two-factor authentication is table stakes, right? Just because that's the thing. Like, for example, hey, they launched their email service recently and two-factor authentication is required because like we, we recognize that passwords are are kind of weak sauce, right? And so this two-factor mm -hmm. authentication is, is the way to make your app secure. So I think we definitely have seen over the past 10 years, and I think we'll continue to see like these, the table takes getting higher. And so you, it, it does really help to come in with one of these ready-made things uh, that has all this stuff done for you. So you don't have to think about, it's just like Rails, like when yeah. it launched, it did so much of the plumbing that you didn't have to think about that before you had to do yourself. And so I think going up those levels of, of abstractions and having all that plumbing help done is great. Yeah, again, like these are the things that probably that would have prevented us from launching anything at all, because like if we would have had to, I mean, that's why we didn't do them in the first place, I think, because we didn't want to yeah. like have to do it ourselves and we could go scrappy and 
we had rails which was kind of filling that at the time that was one of the you know it was kind of like, like you said the same deal like if we would have had to build our own web framework before we could launch our <laughs> SaaS, we probably wouldn't have launched a SaaS. and these days you get to use rails and you get to have billing solved you know and so, notifications and all the other all the other right. things that have like driven us crazy the right. past eight years <laughs> One thing I will say, though, talking about uh, tenant stuff, is I will I will come down strongly against the idea of using multiple schemas uh, for doing multiple tenants. It's been a long practiced method of doing multi-tenant is having these multiple schemas in your database yeah. so that tenants are partitioned from each other. And I've just seen so much pain come out of that. Every account, every separate account would have its own like database or something. Basically, or? yep. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So in Postgres, they call them schemas. But in other systems, you could actually create separate databases to keep all the data partitioned. So every, every database or every schema has the same structure, but it's just there's only one customer's data in that particular database or schema. But that's just so much pain once you get to a point where you have hundreds of customers because you're making all these changes anytime you want to change a structure, right? And people say, you have to oh, migrate but like a thousand different databases. Yeah. It's when just you deploy. So totally just go with, go with the tenant ID, you know, foreign key field in your, in your database. People are like, oh, but that's, that's a security risk because what if you forget to scope your query? I mean, modern frameworks handle that for you. So just ignore the haters and go with the tenant ID, make yeah. your life so much easier by not doing multiple schemas, multiple databases. Yeah. You can make the same argument. Like what if you forget to like have a database password or something? <laughs> like, it's like, well, yeah, you could definitely, you could definitely give everyone your data. <laughs> right. Any way you look at it. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Security. So 2019, we should probably wrap this up. Do you guys have any like solemn, like parting words or anything? No. Jumpstart. Strong recommend. <laughs> Jumpstart. Strong recommend. For sure. It. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please give us a review on Apple podcasts or, or whatever. If you want to write for our blog, go to honeybadger.io forward slash blog and look for the write for us link. That is the first test to determine if you are capable of writing for our blog is finding that link. Yeah, go with our blessing. I will see y'all later. Founder Quest is a weekly podcast by the founders of Honey Badger. Zero instrumentation, 360 degree coverage of errors, outages, and service degradations for your web apps. If you have a web app, you need it. Available at honeybadger.io. Want more from the founders? Go to founderquestpodcast.com. That's one word, where you can access our huge back catalog of episodes. FounderQuest is available on iTunes, Spotify, and other purveyors of fine podcasts. We'll see you next week. <laughs>